my guest this week is Jamie Weeks. Jamie Weeks is a Dynamics keynote speaker. He's an author and is a, he's a boots-on-the-ground executive who is one of today's most inspiring voices in workplace culture. He's the executive chairman and founder of Honors Holding, the largest franchisee of Orange Theory Fitness across the globe. And he's the executive chairman and founder of Legacy Franchise Concepts, a Dogtopia franchisee and a, and a franchisor for Sweat House Infrared Sauna Studios. So Jamie owns over 140 Orange Theory Studios and a dozen Sweat House Infrared Sauna locations. And what you're going to learn today from Jamie in, in my conversation is a couple of things. Number one, why own a franchise and who's it for? You're going to learn about caring more about others than you do yourself and what's the benefits of, of thinking this way and what are key indicators of a bad work culture. And also, and this is big, the three best job interview questions on planet Earth. It uncovers a lot. And so we're going to break this down. So stay tuned, stay locked in, stay focused, grab a pen and pad because Jamie is dropping diamonds. All right. And I want you to pick them up. Lost again, looking right through. It's intercepted. Picked up by Alex Molden. Welcome to the Shark Effect Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Molden. I'm an NFL veteran of eight years, and now I'm an author, leadership and personal development coach, and international speaker. In this podcast, you will learn strategies to get unstuck in life and find your influence. You will hear inspirational and value-packed stories from former and current elite-level athletes, successful entrepreneurs, and experts in the field of personal development. My mission is to help former elite-level athletes find their identity and utilize their influence to create a life of impact. Thank you once again for tuning in to The Shark Effect. I'm your host, Alex Molden. I got a gentleman today who you've already heard a little bit of his intro, but I'm going to let you hear it from him. His name is Jamie Weeks. Jamie, thank you so much for being a guest on The Shark Effect, my man. Thanks for having me, Alex. I really appreciate it. Love your show. Yeah, thank you. Man, can you tell my listeners a little bit about you? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, you know, personally, uh, I've got a wife of 20 years and two teenage daughters, Maggie and Charlie. They're 14 and 16. Um, we are a soccer house. My wife played soccer at Clemson, so my girls. Oh, let's go. Um, it, it, they didn't have a choice. They just got to play soccer. Um, uh, Maggie said, Maggie told me she was not going to play soccer anymore. I said, well, that's great. Good news. Band. You got the cross country and the band. So you play, you either play soccer or you're going to do the band and cross country. So like, I love soccer. Looks like I'm all in on soccer. So we're a big, we're a big soccer family. So I'm, I'm talking to you right now. I got the U S and Iran on right now. U S just scored. So if I keep oh, looking up every go. now, okay. uh, it's not, it's not, it's not to take away from you. I'm just trying to watch. I'm just trying to watch that too. Um, <laughs> And so I, uh, you know, most people know me as being the largest franchisee in Orange Theory. So I've got 145 Orange Theory Fitness Studios in 13 states. Um, and I, I got into that business in 2014. We opened our first one in December 2014 and we scaled it up quite a bit. And um, it's, it's been a lot of fun. Got about 1,500 employees and, and we're true franchise operators. Um, and then in 2017, I took on a private equity partner in Prospect Hill, which was the best thing I could have ever done. And they helped me scale that business even more. And in the process, I let them know that I had some other ideas and things I wanted to do in franchising. And they, they were extremely supportive. 
They said, no, we're really supportive. You just got to tell us what you're doing at all times. And I said, yes, sir, I'll, I'll be sure to do that. And so I, um, I immediately went and became a Dogtopia franchisee, where I'm now one of the largest Dogtopia franchisees in the, in the country. Hold uh, on, Dogtopia. hold on. Dogtopia. What is Dogtopia? That? Yeah, break it down. It's a, it's a dog daycare um, uh, uh, store where about 6,000 square feet. So it's boarding and daycare. You're in Portland. I've got five of them in Portland. Oh, shoot. I'm going um, to hit you up. <laughs> you, you, know, you should. Um, it's it's an amazing business. I love it. And if you think about kind of as we talk, you know, um, I'm a big culture guy and I'm, I'm, I'm big on health and wellness and lifestyle. And when I think about Dogtopia, people don't think about Dogtopia being health and wellness. And I, I can argue with you all day. It is. It's 100 percent is. Um, we've got two labs. And I can tell you when my wife and girls are traveling or not there or running soccer games, whatever it is, and, and I'm sitting at the house with with Winnie and Chief, I'm going to tell you what, those are my two best friends. And there's a lot of people out there in the world that feel the same way as me. And um, that's as much lifestyle, health and wellness as any business I've ever been in. And so that's a fun business. And then I'm also the founder and CEO of a business called Sweat House, where we have one in Lake Oswego there in Portland. Um, and I'm a franchisor. So I've got 13 of those open. I started building those in 2019, and that is an infrared sauna studio, cold plunge, hydro massage, red light therapy, a real recovery studio, and um, we're having a lot of success there. We've we've sold we started selling franchise licenses in June. We've sold about 60 in five months. Uh, it looks like we'll sell a couple hundred licenses next year, and um, and we're having a lot of fun with that as well. So I'm a franchise guy, but more than that, I, I've built all this through culture, and that's what I'm really excited to talk to you about today. Absolutely, man. Well, that's great. And I mean, being a franchise owner, you know, here's the thing is like, I know I have a lot of um, athletes who listen to my professional athletes for former professional athletes. And that's one of the the biggest things that that kind of gets put on their plate by their um, business partners is owning a franchise. Yeah. What are some of the things that you think, you know, guys like myself or, or anybody who's looking to get into the franchise business, what are some of the things that we need to know before we, you know, kind of put our, our hand in that pot? Yeah, that's a great question. And Alex, honestly, you and I could talk for 10 hours about that. Um, there's a lot there. There's a lot to unpack, right? Yeah. Uh, the franchise world is quickly evolving. Franchising in the eighties and nineties and really the early two thousands was designed for mom and pop, one store, one business, take, you know, you get to leverage someone's idea and open that idea in their hometown and run it. And it, it for years, it was a way to buy a job, right? Okay. You would invest and open that store and you would have a job and that's how you would do it. But then you had some of these franchise brands where they were able to be multi-unit and scale. And I can't tell you which ones were the first, but there were a lot of businesses here in the last 20 years where someone like myself prior to Orange Theory would say, I don't want to own just one Orange Theory. I want to own 10. I don't want to own 10. I want to own 40 or 50 and, and, and scale that business. Well, that over the last 10 years has really attracted private equity. It's attracted family office. It's attracted VC money. And so you're starting to see kind of now uh, franchising maybe not put on the back shelf quite as much and, and viewed much more as a really viable way to monetize a business and make make astounding money and build something for yourself. And so, you know, I'm not I'm not smart enough to come up with my own ideas every every week and do something different. I, I kind of need to leverage someone else's idea, but I'm really good at taking someone's idea, following a plan, and then maybe trying to find a way to make it more efficient. Um, 
and, and we've done that with Orange Theory and Dartopia now. We, we did come up with Sweat House ourselves. Okay. And, um, and that's one where I'm a franchisor and a franchisee. But I would say the most important thing you need to know before you get into that business is the relationship with the franchisor. Um, there's a lot of franchisors out there that just want to sell licenses and then kind of forget about you. You got to have, it's a real partnership. It's a real business partnership with that franchisor and um, their training and their guidance and their handholding. I, I didn't own a business until I was 38 years old. I'm 47. Had I owned a business before 38, I would have failed a million. Think about Alex, you and I, we're probably around the same age. How smart are you today versus Alex and Jamie at 30, Oh my right? Goodness. But how many 30-year-olds tell you, well, I want to own my own business? And I'm just like, bro, you were in college eight years ago. You have no clue. I mean, I didn't know what I was doing at 38. 90% of it was luck. And I, the other 10% was just no one was going to out-hustle me. And that no one's still going to out-hustle me, but a lot of it's luck and hustle. Yeah. And I think that's the, that's the big thing. You don't have to be 25 and 30 own a business. It's okay to be 45 and 50 and own a business because you got that experience that you got to lean on. Yeah. And experiences, you know, on my show, I like to talk a lot about influence and leadership. I mean, leadership, that's leadership is influence. And mm -hmm. one of the influencers is what you just talked about experience, mm -hmm. you know, and, and experience can comes in different shapes and forms and whatnot. Not everything is just dialed into to one specific category, but just life experiences, being around people um, where you've gotten burned or that, mm -hmm. has, that, that has helped you. And you can kind of see what they, how they act and the words that come out of their mouth and then their actions. Yeah. And then it's like, man, you're, you're right. Yeah. It's like, uh, I don't know if this is a great, I don't know if that's a great partner just mm -hmm. from what I've seen because character is such a huge influencer. And I'm sure you got plenty of stories about, you know, dealing with, with people as, uh, you know, when their I, character I, shows up and he's like, I don't know if this is yeah. the right position for you or the right person I want to be connected with. Boy, I'll tell you what it's, 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 that's such an amazing point you bring up. I, I have so many people on the team over the years that have said, this is what I want to do. I, I've got someone, I'll give you a great example, who is an amazing financial analyst. And you, when you think of a financial analyst, you think of someone who most likely has an accounting background or a finance background. They are Excel jockeys. They know Excel better than anybody. And they will sit there with their headphones on like you and look at Excel and just do Excel and love reports and love spreadsheets all day. Not for me, but they love it. And so we, we had a young man that that's what he did, but his personality was, you know, you run into people in life and you're like, man, you're, you're a leader. Like when you talk, when you walk your energy, your positivity, you're a leader. And I said, I know you think you want to be an analyst forever, but I got to tell you, you're a leader. You, you can't just do this with your headphones on. You got to talk and influence people. And he didn't trust me. I said, man, you got to give, give me a chance. I want to get you out from behind the desk. I want to get you in the studios. I want you meeting people and talking to people. And the second that he got a taste of that, of being out in the studios for 10 or 12 days and associating himself with other people and realizing that sometimes you're just born with a positive energy and people want to follow that, that that's your role and that's your calling and that's what you got to go do. Now, guess what? The other side of that is true as well. We got someone who wants to be a leader that is not a leader. They don't listen. They have no empathy. They're all about themselves and they're all about themselves being a leader. A leader starts with empathy. A leader starts with listening. The best leaders that I've ever had, my my greatest mentors in my life have been the best listeners that I've ever come in touch with. Mm. And in order for me to be a great leader, I've got to be a great listener and I have to have the highest amount of empathy. And so one of the things 
that we've preached. I've got 2000 employees and the thing I preach to all of them, Alex, and I know how much you'll appreciate this because I know this is your philosophy as well. You got to care more about others than you care about yourself. And when you wake up every day and you care more about others than you care about yourself, you're not going to believe how many people will run through a wall for you. But when you only care about yourself, let me tell you what, man, no one's going to give a shit about you. No one cares. No one cares. And so you got to go through life caring more about others than you care about yourself to be a leader. Mm, I love that. And that kind of goes into like this, you know, my first question for you. Is like, I said a word there. I'm sorry, Alex. No, no, that's, you know, shoot, no, that, that's what I'm talking I, I, about. I, was like, Ooh, I probably shouldn't have done. I'm sorry, Alex. No, man. <laughs> that's totally fine. So what is, um, what is the key indicator of a bad culture? Huh. No communication. Mm-hmm. Nine to five. Punching in, punching out, leaving. I mean, just communication is the key to life. It's the key to love. It's the key to being married for 20 years. It's the key to your kids. It's the key to your employees. It's the key to your members and your clients and customers. Clear and direct communication solves everything. And if you think about in the last, for me, I'm 47 years old. And I think about the last 27 years since I've college, 25 years, every problem I've ever had has resulted in bad communication. Now, it may have been me being a complete jackass and I had some bad communication. It may have been someone else who didn't communicate what their feelings were. But if you're a clear and direct communicator, it's really hard to have a bad culture because everyone knows where they stand. Everyone knows their role and everyone feels involved. And so one of the keys to our culture is a clear and open communication. We we've got I've got between the offices where I'm at right now, you can't see. We've got about twenty five thousand square feet of office space. In that 25,000 square feet, Alex, I think we have less than 15 offices. Now, everything is an open trading floor. And everyone has quiet areas you can go to to do calls and have moments to yourself. Everyone has that. But I like an open trading floor because I want that open communication. I want everyone to feel like no different than you are on a team, right? When you're on a team, you're all together and you're all communicating together. And that's what you got to have. But when I'm in an office with the door closed by myself, what kind of culture is that? And so every office we've designed over the years has been an open floor. I mean, listen, I can show you my office right now. My office is the conference room. I don't have an office. I'll show you my office right now. I'm sitting at a conference table right now in an office. You probably never had this done. But I'm sitting here right now at a conference table with TV. I mean, that's my office. That's a sweet office. That's a- <laughs> I, mean, I, get, I, I get you. Yeah, yeah. 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 But I'm saying this is not a here's my desk and it's a proper office. We don't, we don't yeah. need that. I don't, we don't need proper titles. Just yeah. get the job done. I love that. And, you know, one of the things that people don't are not intentional or don't realize is, you know, you talk about communication and, you know, I teach on this and I coach on this and whatnot, but it's not all about the words that you say. Right. No. Right? It's, mm-hmm. it's tone. It's tone and, and it's body language. Like you can say a lot without saying anything. And well, I mean, you know, that, that's that's I think we both we both have seen that a lot in our lifetime. Right. Yeah. Is that 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 body language. And you can tell when someone's not taking that message clearly. And when I can see that, I stop and I say, hey, you haven't said anything, but I'm obviously saying something that you're not liking or you're upset about. Let's talk about it right now. Let's get it on the table right now. Let's get straight to the point. And so you're exactly right. Tone's a big one as well. Um, you know, uh, I'll, 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 I think you'll relate to this. My girls, uh, both soccer players, as I mentioned, 
my 16 year old, um, is maybe the sweetest, happiest person, like a firstborn that you've ever met in your life, right? She doesn't want any arguments. She wants no problems. She's never been upset in her life. And she wants everyone happy and just goes through life. Now that second child, that second child, she's the devil. I mean, she is out to just destruct. I mean, destruct. But hey, Alex, when you played football, there were players that could get screamed at and they would react to it and they would go harder. And there were players where you had to put your arm around them and said, hey, bud, let me tell you something. I want you to know, first and foremost, I love you and I would do anything for you. But I, I need you to move your feet a little bit faster. And that's how that person reacts to it. And so reading people and knowing how they're going to react to that tone is an art. Mm. And something that you touched on, and I think is, well, I know it's a, it's a very um, uh, highly sought after um, variable to leadership or influencer, and that is relationships. Yeah. You don't know, uh, you know, people until you really get to see them in different environments. And then you start to spend, spend more and more time with them. And you know, like what, how you act, the words that you say, a, a arm around the shoulder is what they needed to get them to where they want to go. Yeah. And for some, for some people, yeah, you do got to bark on them. You know, you do got to, you know, you got to get yeah. on them in, you know, in the sports world, uh, I was a guy that once you get to know me, no, that's, you don't have to yell at me. You don't. No, you don't need to scream at me. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and it was it was because of my, the way I'm made up. You know, my dad was a drill sergeant. I got that. Right. I got that enough at home. I don't want to. Right. I don't want to. I don't want to see that. I want to have that outside right. of the home. That's so, right. You know, relationships are powerful influencers. And you know, t- go. Ahead, I'm sorry. No, no, no. I was just about to say, like, what's your definition of leadership? Because you know, leadership means. A lot of different things to a lot of different people, and I love to get down to the root. So, if you could, can you boil down leadership? Well, let me ask you this: yes, sir. Were your best coaches some of your good friends? I still keep in contact with with some of my best coaches. I still keep in contact with them today. Yeah. So I, I bring that up because um, for years there's been this notion where. You know, you don't fraternize at work. You shouldn't be friends with employees and stuff like that. And I've kind of taken that and thrown that out the window. I, and I'll get to your leadership question, but I want to, yeah. I want to kind of talk about this for a second. Like, um, I've stopped looking at resumes and I'm going off people's energy and what I, and, and, and interview and sitting down and getting to know them. Every person has a story. Yeah. Every person's got a story. Jamie's got a story. Alex has a story. We've all got a story. And when you get to know that person's story and really listen to that person's story and have true empathy of putting yourself in their shoes to understand where they're coming from, I think that's the definition of leadership. You you have to be a leader that understands where that person's coming from before you can motivate them. If I don't know your background or what your goal is or what you're trying to achieve, how am I going to motivate you? And what motivates you may be something completely different than motivates someone else. And I talk a lot about this. I've got a book coming out in March called It Takes a Fight. And it's the real secret to keeping and achieving a winning team for a long term through culture. And um, I've got a soft spot in my heart for single working mothers. And we have several that work for us in all three of our brands. And I have the same conversation with all of them. I say, listen, this is not easy. 
and I sympathize with you. So I want to take the steps of what we can do to make this easier. Do you want mornings or afternoons? Do you enjoy your mornings with your child to get breakfast, take him to school, have that time? Because if that's in, then you come in when you can come in. If you prefer to leave early so you can get them off the school bus and have that afternoon, have that evening with them, then you do that. Alex, the number of people that have never asked that question as a leader to someone on their team, first of all, and forget money, forget everything. Having that empathy for that person, that person's not leaving. That person's not going anywhere. They're with me for life because they're like, he cares more about me than he cares about his business and himself. Because the first thing he said to me was, hey, if you want to you want to pick up your child off the school bus and spend the afternoon with them, that's what you got to do. Get in early. And see how many moms say, yeah, in the morning around my house, it's it's a debacle. We just got to get our, we get toast, we get in the car and we drop off. We're done at 7.15. So Jamie, if I can come in at 7.30, but leave at three, done, done. How easy is that? Yeah. Right? So my definition of leadership is not one that is canned out of a book. My definition of leadership is the person with the most empathy. And that's it. The one with the most empathy that can listen the most and also have that, that voice of vision. I talk a lot about a voice of vision. Every time my team's hearing me speak, it's about a path we're on or we're trying to get to. It's very little fluff. And that goes back to the direct communication. Mm. But a voice of vision is a big deal. I love that. And is that a foundational principle in terms of like with leadership? Like, is, that, is that just at work? Uh, that's a good question. Whew. I've uh, been married 20 years, become a really good listener in 20 years, Alex. Look at that. Look at that. <laughs> so yeah, no, I'm proud of that. Um, yes. I, 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 uh, well, I don't know how to answer that question. That's a really good question. Is it only at work? I would say that at work, I am very conscious of how I'm listening, how often I'm listening, how much empathy I have. And it has made me better outside of work as a father and a husband to be a better listener. I was just about to say like, how does that yeah. work when you're trying to influence your, your daughters? Think, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't. You don't influence don't, them? You don't ask them to take out it, the garbage? It, with, with, well, I don't know if that's influence or if that's just part of the part of the role, right? <laughs> so, so so there's a big difference, right? In the influence, yeah. it's, a, it's a really, um, boy, we could talk about this, Alex, you and I for hours. Yeah. Um, so we're big concert people. Ray and I, my wife's Reagan, we call her Ray. Okay. Ray and I, in 20 years, we've been to 600 concerts in 20 years. Like we're music people. 600. Goodness, good Lord. 30 a year. So our girls are concert people. They're music people. I'm a music guy. So the girls, we take them. Um, I don't really know where the story is going. So we're going to, well, I'm going to tell it to you, That's but I may also, I may also say we ain't telling the story. Okay. And so um, it has to do with influence because I think this is important. And so um, we took the girls to Red Rocks uh, about a month ago to see Zach Bryan. And I was like, if you're ever going to go to Red Rocks for your first time, I need to be with you. It's like a church experience to see a concert at Red Rocks in Denver. This is as good as it gets. So we go. Well, we all know what's legal in Colorado. And I got a 14-year-old and a 16-year-old. And there's smoke all over the place. And everyone smells it. And I'm just kind of standing there like looking at them. And they're looking at me. And I'm like, hey, listen, here's the thing. This is the first time we've had this discussion. This is out there. And this is going to be a part of it for the rest of your lives. Now, I'm going to tell you, okay, this wasn't around when I was 16 years old. This wasn't, this wasn't like this. You weren't in a public place where this was happening. But alcohol was. And I'm begging you, when you make this choice between the two, I'd much rather you choose the smoke that's floating around than this alcohol because it's not even close. Now, I can't influence you and I can't tell you what to do and what not to do. I'd rather you choose none. 
for the rest of your life. But also know that's probably not going to be reality. And I just want to have this. So I, I, I tell you this story because influence as a parent, um, man, it's situational, isn't it, Alex? Isn't it situate? I mean, like one week I need to influence about this and the next week I need to influence about this. It's just I don't have a mission or a vision or a plan of how to influence them. I just kind of do it as it happens. But at work, I've got a pretty good mission and a vision and a plan of how I need to influence. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. And to a certain point, I would push back and say it's foundational. Thinking about this, right? Yeah. They learn yeah. from you are the biggest influencers, you know, us parents, we're the big, biggest influencers in their lives we, right we, now. We, we better be. If we're not, there's a problem. Exactly. That's, that's a problem in America. Exactly. And so what I try to do is as much as I can, not as much as I can, it's like, I don't say what, what, what I grew up hearing. Don't do what I do or do as I say, not what I do. Yeah. And I looked at that. That's, that's, that's backwards. That's, well, that's like so, like, so, like that's so backwards. It's like, don't do as I say. No, I'm learning from you. You being a, in a position of leadership, right? In a position of leadership, it should be like, no, I'm, if you do that, then, then I'm gonna I do should it. do that. Yeah. So I try to yeah. be as good as person as I possibly can, as, as good as the, mm-hmm. like my words match should match my actions. And so mm-hmm. like we're the first level of that. And now as kids get, you know, they start to get a little bit older and they start to get influenced by their peer group. And that's right. something we as I, I think as parents, I need to be aware of like who they're hanging around oh, with. Yeah. And the no doubt about those it. people. Yeah. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. But yeah, that's, that's without a doubt, the way that you and I grew up with influence of parents, I don't know how you would measure that over the last 30 years, but that has definitely gone down in America versus where it was when you and I were 12, 13, 14 years old. Mm. Yeah. It, uh, times of times of change. I'll tell you what. It, it, it is now we're yeah. influenced by Instagram. We're influenced by TikTok. We're influenced by platforms. The Kardash- Kardashians. That's right. So, so now it's like if you have a platform and if you have a platform, if you're pretty, if you, you mm-hmm. know, all that stuff, then yeah, I'm going to follow you. Yeah. By the way, there's a platform for everybody. Yeah. There, I mean, I, I every, there, there's a platform for everybody out there now. Everyone can find their platform. And so some would say that's bad. Some would say that's good. I, I, I go back to, you know, um, exactly what you're saying is the spheres of influence and so I think if we were to apply that to business, my leaders are, are the spheres of influence for the rest of the employees. And, you know, they 2,000 employees probably hear from me maybe once a quarter, but they hear from their direct reports and their bosses, or if you want to call them that, their leaders, whatever it is, a lot more. And so my sphere of influence are those leaders who then have a sphere of influence over their teams. And so that's how you build culture. A really big part of that has been promotions from within over the years. We've taught people this culture for seven, eight, nine years of what we're doing and how we're doing it and why we're doing it. When we start bringing outside people in who they've been influenced by someone else, they start influencing our teams differently. And so that's why we've been such big proponents of promotion from within. And I think 90, at one time, 90% of our promotions over a three-year period all came from within. And we doubled the company in that period of time. Oh man, that's interesting. Wow. So when you talk about culture, what is that? 
like one to three things that you look for that you're really um, intentional about when it comes to you know all your all your different businesses? Yeah, I, I mean, listen. At the end of the day, um, you want you want we want to hire people on our team that we would have lunch with and not talk business. Gotcha. Think about that. If I hire 50 people, all of which that I would have lunch with and never talk business, I probably just hired 50 people that I think alike, that have the same mission, have the same values, are trying every day to be a great human versus only caring about themselves. And so when we go through the interview process, you know, I ask, I ask three questions for every interview. What was your first car? Where was your first concert? Right. And what's one movie you'd have to watch for the rest of your life if you had one movie? And so I learned a lot about somebody when I asked him, Alex, what was your first car? My first car was a, uh, I'm embarrassed, but I, I think that, no, I, that's, I, the okay. that's the whole point. Okay, what was your first car? My first car, SL 500 white Mercedes Benz. What? <laughs> I didn't get it. I, I, I rode a bike through college. Once I signed my contract at the NFL, I had money how great, and a dream car. How great, is, how great is that story? That's a yeah. fucking story. By the way, I've asked that to like, I, I just cussed again. We got to cut that out. Um, hey, listen, I'm good. I've asked that question to like 3,000 people, maybe 5,000. No one's ever had that answer, ever. That's, that's the that answer. <laughs> that's insane. That's Love the best it. answer. One SL500 convertible, two-door. Drop, I mean, drop, you, hey, white, white on the outside, you, pink butter interior. You couldn't catch this. How hard did you clean those wheels? Oh, I mean, those what? things armor all. Those things had so much armor all on those things. Oh my goodness! You couldn't tell. You couldn't tell. You couldn't tell me shit. Each each car each tire had a can of armor all. You tires. <laughs> that thing, I can see that thing shining. Your big ass smile driving down the road. Oh, oh Man, I bet you. I was a hot mess, Jamie. Hey, oh my God. what's what's what, now? Listen, why do I ask that question? Because I've had people say, when I was 16, my parents bought me a brand new BMW. And I'm like, oof, I don't know if you and I are going to get along real well. That's mm-hmm. that's scary. That concerns me, right? I'm not saying. I'm just saying. You're just right? saying when you don't work for stuff and stuff is handed to you. That's a whole different. A, my, first yeah. car, my first car was an $800, 85 Chevy Cavalier that didn't have third gear. So I had to go first, second, fourth. <laughs> third, 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 third. <laughs> I, I went first, second, fourth. And if I was doing 35 miles an hour to try to get in fourth, I had to step on that gas to get that thing revved up and get it in fourth gear. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm telling you, and my dad was like, you're not going to get an automatic. You're getting a stick shift. I'm like, well, I don't know how to drive a stick shift. Why you're getting a stick shift. Yeah. Why do you think you're getting? So Maggie, my 16 year old, we're going to get her a car. But I told her, I said, I'm not getting you a car until you can change a spare tire on my car. Mm. When I'm going to put it in the driveway. When you can change that spare tire, I'll go get you a car. We'll figure it out. But if you can't change that tire, I'm not getting you a car. I love that. Figure it out. Figure it out. All right. What, what was your first concert? I cannot wait to hear this answer. If oh your first gosh. was in what was your first concert? My, I've only been to like a handful of concerts. But I okay, remember your this. First, first I one remember, was a good one. First wait, one. How old are you? How old are you? I'm, I'm 49. Okay, so I'm going to guess your first concert. You ain't going to guess. Go ahead. Belle Biv DeVoe. No. 
This is that was a good guess, though. That was guess. really good. That was really good. I watched a, a, a concert was in Germany, and because my because my dad was in the military, and right. what was your uh, first it, was, it was peaches and cream. Peaches and cream. Peaches and cream. <laughs> That's peaches and cream. You're full of first day. All right, last question. What's one movie for the rest of your life? You can only watch one movie for the rest of your life. What's your go-to movie? Man, I got a couple, but if I had to, it would have to be Pulp Fiction. That's a great one. I get that answer a lot from a lot of people. Now, you're going to ask me, Jamie, why would you ask me what my first concert is? Well, I can't ask you how old you are. Hey, I can't ask you how old you are. That's right. You can't. So when someone says, oh, my first concert was New Kids on the Block, I'm like, all right, we're close to the same age. But when you tell me your first concert was in sync, I'm like, you young. <laughs> You're young. You're young. Okay. Right? Okay. And, yeah. then if, and then if I say, tell me one movie the rest of your life, and someone says, oh, The Notebook, a, a, just a, a, sappy, a sappy romance movie, I'm like, man, we live in a fairy tale. We live in a fairy tale. By the way, the one movie someone chooses says a lot about somebody. My, I've got, listen, mine's either, I go back and forth between two, Gladiator and Goodfellas. Gladiator, okay. Goodfellas. I mean, I could watch Gladiator for the rest of my life and be good. I could watch Goodfellas the rest of my life and be good. It's one of those two. Um, my second but see, one was Scarface. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, yeah I mean, that was, Scarface, my, that was close. That's the top, top five movie of all time. But, you know, I asked those three questions in an interview because – I want to get to know that person. And I, th- these are questions. These are conversations like on, on my team. If I went out there right now, we have arguments right now, 50 of us about the greatest. Can- I think right now we're at peak candy. The, the candy, you know, the candy in the world right now is the greatest candy you've ever had. It never, I mean, this, the candy that's out there in the world is the greatest candy we've ever had. It's just crazy candy. And so we have these arguments. We have these discussions and it turns into, oh, you said you didn't like this candy. I brought it in. You're going to try it right now. And so we'll have like a month long discussion about candy. Now, that doesn't mean much, but let me tell you something. It, it creates this culture of being open and having thoughts and having opinion and being able to tell the boss, me, how do you not like nerd clusters? That's the greatest candy in the world. What is wrong with you? And it just, it kind of, we, that's something we do and it's fun. And so I ask those questions because when you start thinking about a work-life balance, there is no work-life balance. It's just life balance. I sleep for 30% of my time. I work for 35% of my time. And I have another 35% over here where I've just open time. It's life balance. And so I have to work with people that I like and that I enjoy. We have to have fun and we have to realize that life comes first and work comes second. And when you have that mentality, you won't believe the culture that you'll create. I had to tie that around somehow. See what I did? Uh, see, I, I like that. This ain't your first rodeo. I love that, man. So, you know, I have a lot of um, athletes that are either coach or a mentor. What is something like, do you employ athletes or former athletes? It don't have to be like professional, but someone who played yeah. past high school. And if you have like, what are some of the um, the things that they bring to the workplace that yeah. is, uh, is elevated? Yeah, that's a great question. I'll, I'll tell you, um, the athletes, if I look at my leadership team, over half of them played a college sport. Mm. And I love that because you win as a team, you lose as a team. Mm. And when I think about 
uh, my operating partner at, at, at Sweat House, Chris and Crawford, and she played college softball. And she was an accomplished softball player. And I think about Jordan Thomas, who's one of my regional managers out in Portland, in your backyard. She played college softball. And um, I played college golf. And so when you start thinking about that mentality of winning as a team and losing as a team and caring more about others, boy, it really goes hand in hand with that team sport, doesn't it? And so I'm a big fan of people on my team that have played a sport either in high school or college at an elevated level because they really understand. And winning as a team is easy, isn't it, Alex? But boy, when you're losing as a team, it's you really, you don't know who's swimming naked until the tide rolls out. And you go on a losing streak with a team, you find out someone's character real fast. Yes, sir. Yeah, when, when everything is all great and dandy, you're winning, you're making yeah. money and doing all this type of stuff. Happy. Everybody is happy and nice. It's funny when you're making money. Ain't no joke when you're broke. Ain't no joke when you're broke. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's good. So, you know, what? how do you align happiness and business success? Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know that they're one and the same. I, I you know, I, I say this to a lot of people. I get to wake up every morning and I choose happiness. And that's not always an easy choice for people. Um, it's an easy choice for me because I've just kind of got it in my head that I'm going to, I'm going to find a silver lining in everything. Even the worst situations, I'm going to find a silver lining. If that means I have to rely on God and, and rely on my faith, and that's what I'm going to do. But um, it's not easy. It's not easy. I, I get happiness out of other people's success. And I think you'll, this is something you'll relate to. We all have friends that are either going to be really happy for your success or not so happy for your success. And you find out who your real friends are when you have success. And I don't know who it was and maybe Jordan Peterson that said, um, watch who you share your success with and watch their reactions. And you're going to find out who your friends are real fast. Yeah. And so I think you got to, not everyone's always happy that you're successful or you're succeeding. And um, the people that are, are people that genuinely have empathy and really care. And so I've thought about that over the years, because as I've had more success, I've lost friends that maybe, um, didn't like my success. And then I've gained more friends that were happy for my success. And in turn, I want to help them succeed. And I want to, I want to be happy for their success. And so there's a lot to be said for that. Yeah. There's a lot to be said for that. No, that's good. That's really good. So I'm assuming you do a lot of um, personal development. Um, you invest in yourself. Well, I don't know. Do you invest in yourself? And if you do, how do you go about doing that? How do you invest in yourself? I don't know that I invest in myself. I may invest myself in different ways. That's a really, uh, no one's ever asked me that, Alex. And I've done a lot of podcasts. Um, like, put it like this. Yeah. I invested in myself a couple years ago and I ended up getting a coach. I ended up getting a coach who at first it was to help me become a better speaker because I started in this whole speaking, being a professional speaker and using my former platform of being a professional NFL player. And I started to speak at these different companies or on stage. And I saw that somebody who's been doing it longer than I have, and he has success. And so I ended up hiring, hiring him on to help coach me to be a better speaker. Well, little did I know he was helping me 
become a better person. Because if I'm a better person, then I don't have yeah. to go in and try to like, you know, put things down and have a perfect program yeah. to get on stage. No, you have life stories. And if you dig down deep enough and pull it out, those stories, the foundational principles in those stories can help others in yeah. any environment. And yeah. so that was how I, you know, I read, I've been upping my reading. So, you know, that's how I invest in myself, but I, I definitely, I got a, I got a coach that, that helps me see things differently, helps me understand what leadership and influence is. And am I okay with the person that I am and, and that who I, where I want to go. So that's how I invested in myself. Yeah. So, you know, listen, I, I've never purposefully went out and said, I'm looking to do this or X or Y or whatever it is. I mean, I, 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 I'm a podcast guy. I love listening to podcasts. I love listening to books. And um, I really try to stay, if, if I have an idea or if I'm trying to say, let's say that, you know, we're having a tough situation, whatever the situation is, I just start going down rabbit holes and say, you know, like, like with marketing, we're, one of the things we're doing at Sweat House is we've brought on a girl named Dr. Rachel Reed, who was the chief health and science officer at Orange Theory for years, and now she's with us at Sweat House. And so, um, you know, I think I know our modalities really well of infrared sauna and cold plunge. And so I sit down with her and I'm like, she's like, what do you think your knowledge of this is? And I was like, I, I think I'm, I mean, I started a business. I got 15, lo 12, 12 locations. I mean, I'm, I think I'm, you know, a 10 out of 10. I'm crushing it, you know, and she's like, well, let me ask you some questions. And then like 30 minutes later, I'm like, well, I'm an idiot. I have no clue what I'm talking about. So I'll take a month and I'll just go deep into that. And so while that's no doubt that's professional development and personal development, I'll tell you the most important thing that I've done, Alex, in the last five years has been meditate. And I go through these moments where I will meditate for 30 minutes for 30 days and I feel amazing. And then we get into the rat race and I don't for 30 days, and I got to get back on it. And I'm going to go into 2023 with a conscious effort to meditate at least four times a week. And having that quiet moment with no phone, no iPad, no Apple Watch, no nothing, sitting there by myself for 30 minutes and gathering my thoughts, what I have found that happens at the end of that 30 minutes is I come out of it more grateful than I've ever been in my entire life. And... um. No one has ever said, you know, they just had too much gratitude. No one's ever said that. And so that's something that I think that um, at 47, I hope I can make it to 100. And I hope at 100, I have more gratitude than I have today. Because once you start having gratitude and empathy and really focusing on others, boy, um, your professional development just kind of becomes a self-fulfilling fantasy, right? Where the more I meditate, the better I become. The more I focus on others, the more I listen, the better I become. And so that's really been my professional development. Personal development has been meditation. Mm, I love that, man. And I've been, I guess, like I meditate, like I really like get to a quiet spot and it just happens to be like in a sauna. Yeah. Yeah. I go in a sauna yeah. and I'm by myself and I just. It's exactly right. It's really amazing. I would love for you to, I, I got to get you down at Lake Oswego and I want you to go into Sweat House and try it out. I'll, I'll have uh, Pat, our manager there, connect with you. And obviously I want you down there a bunch and trying it. But we've, um, I use the Calm app. I've used Headspace. They're all amazing. I recommend both of them. They're both really, really good. Mm -hmm. um, but I used the Calm app for a while and really found myself 
it's hard. When you first started meditating, when you first start meditating, you feel awkward, even though you're by yourself, but it's awkward to be kind of by yourself in a space. And so I would take my phone, I'd put my headphones in, I would start the call map, but I'd put the phone over there, put it on do not disturb so no voice messages or anything would come through. And at the end of you, if you do it 10 days in a row, that 10th day, you will stand up and you will be like, man, I am a new person. I feel amazing. And organizing our thoughts and, 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 and even though we think our mental health is healthy, it's probably not. And I don't think your mental health is ever a hundred percent perfect. I think our mental health is we're born imperfect in mental health and something that we have to take our whole life and work on to achieve a better mental health state. Yeah. And as we get older, it becomes easier to do that. And so I hope it becomes easier to do that. But I have found meditation has been um, my in my toolbox to help with my mental health more than anything. Mm, I love that. Jamie, how can my people get more of you? You got website, you get LinkedIn, yeah. spill the beans, my man. Yeah, yeah. So so we do have a website, jamieweeks.com. Um, that uh, is not up today, but 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 uh, we're doing some we're doing some updating to it, but it should be up in the next couple of days, okay. um, back up and running in the next couple of days. Uh, LinkedIn and Instagram on Instagram, I'm Jamie Weeks ATL. Uh, LinkedIn, I answer all my DMs, I answer all those messages myself, and so um, it may take me a day or two, but I promise I'll get to you. Love that. Well, I have all this in the show notes, and then your book comes out. You said March yeah, of twenty three. Yeah, March, March, April, we finished it, and uh, okay. and I'm, I'm really excited about it. It's been something that um, I was reluctant to do, but I had some mentors who were pushing me, saying, "Hey, listen, there's kind of this missing piece in culture out there that we we kind of need this voice." And so it's a book about culture, and it's a book about leading with culture. And you know, if you think about this, is really kind of the premise of the book. If you think about culture and business, Alex, in the '70s and '80s, you had to prove to yourself that you were worthy to work at that company, and here we are in 2022. And that company is having to prove to itself that it's worthy to have you work there. And it's been a complete shift in culture, a complete 180, where companies are proving to you, we want you here, we're worthy of you, where it used to be, I have to say to the company, I'm so worthy, thank you so much for hiring me, I'm all about you. And the for culture and business, the power is truly with the people more than it's ever been. And that's really exciting. And that's what this book's about. Oh, I love that, man. But hey, we definitely got to do a book swap. Yeah. Um, because, you know, leadership and, and, you know, culture. And I'm like I said, I'm always looking for foundational principles that I can apply in my life. So where it, I'm trying to create a positive culture at yeah. home, at the you know, on the football field when I'm coaching these high school football athletes is how do yep. I create a culture? And, for, and, and you touched on it a lot is character. Yeah. Yeah. People's character. Mm-hmm. And. You know, we need to, I think there needs to be a spotlight put on that. So thank yeah, you for shining that spotlight on it, Jamie. Absolutely. Thanks for the time, Alex. I really appreciate everything you're doing. Yo, what's up? So check this out. If you like today's episode, I want you to do a couple of things. Number one, I want you to subscribe to the show. And I want you to give it a rating. Five stars are dope. We love those. And then give it a review. And so I'm saying this not for selfish reasons, but it's to help us all out. The more ratings that we get and, and the more reviews that we get, the bigger, more impactful guests that I can get on the show. And so, you know, it's a win-win for everyone. But it starts with you giving a review, rating it, and sharing it. All right? So if you can do that, 
we can all have a greater or make a better, greater impact. All right? So until next time, keep aligning, assigning, and adjusting to the person that you want to become. All right. So if you got some value from today's episode and you're looking for the next step, well, here it is. I want you to subscribe to our Facebook group. It's called the Shark Effect Group. And when you get in, you'll be linked up with some other former elite level athletes. And they'll be there sharing some actionable steps and advice to get you to where you want to go. Because they are there. They are where you want to go. Uh, They're fighting to get further. And so you can get some, some value from just joining a group and it's free. So you don't have to worry about anything like that, about paying. But I suggest, if you're looking for the next steps to get to where you want to go and have a life of impact and purpose, because you are set apart. Former elite level athletes, you are different. And you need to be able to learn how to use your influence to benefit you. So I want you to go over to the Facebook group and join it. And join it today. It's here, finally. My book, The Ultimate Playbook for Higher Achievement. You can get it on Amazon in the uh, paper, paperback version, or you can get it on Kindle. And who this book is intentionally created for is for those who are looking to transition, whether you was an athlete or an executive or a successful entrepreneur or whatever, if you're looking to transition into something different this book can help you i break it down i lay down the foundation of who you want to be i have a chapter in there that breaks down and boils down leadership which is influence and you got to understand these 10 influencers that can help you with decision making that can help you with influencing others and how are you influenced i have chapters in there that really breaks down my system of assignment, alignment, and adjustment. Um, recognizing the power of your environments is a chapter. Developing your own procedures, creating relationship roadmaps, using adversity to your advantage, right? Because we all go through tough times, but how do you flip it? How do you use it to power you, okay? And then developing your own standards. So these are things that can help anybody, not just, not just athletes. Now, there's some stories in there, you know, that covers topics that that resonate with athletes. But I think overall, this book can help um, anyone who is looking to transition into becoming successful in something new, something different. Okay, so make sure check it out. Amazon, the ultimate playbook for high achievement.